BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. This podcast is a part of the Podmania Podcasting Network. Check out podmania.co.uk to check out more of our great podcasts, features, reviews, match ratings and previews spanning the crazy and diverse world of professional wrestling. Hello guys and welcome to another episode of the Stardom Cast. Your weekly or sort of audio source of all things world-wondering stardom right here on the Podmania Podcasting Network. I'm your host, Rob Goodwin, and I'm joined as ever by Chris O'Brien. Chris, you sexy motherfucker. How are you doing? Robert Goodwin, as you sit there, hopefully as uncomfortable as you possibly could be. I have some things you want to see, because some of you motherfuckers seem to have a problem with pizza crunches, you fucking racist <laughs> bastards. <laughs> Yeah, well, let's let's outside of Scotland, I don't think anybody understands the need for pizza crunch. I've seen some of the shit Americans eat, but no, no one seems to judge them. But as soon as the Scotland, oh, let's laugh at the Scots. Fuck you. Well, it's just it's an it's like putting a pizza on a baguette. You just it's unnecessary. I mean, like, no, because at that point you're putting like a pizza between bread. Why are you a fucking maniac? You're basically putting bread in bread. So you want to put pizza in batter, and that's better, is it? Yeah, like you, you, you do deep, you do fried toast sometimes. No one bats an eye at that. This is coming from the country that do deep fried Mars bars. Right, you can't just that's a Glasgow thing. You can't just <laughs> bring up deep fried Mars bars and think that's one you've a fucking argument. Stop ruining my argument! Like you fucking English put tomatoes with your breakfast. What the fuck is up with that? How can you not like tomatoes on your breakfast? I what? I don't want tomatoes with my breakfast. Tomatoes is not a breakfast food. What is a dessert? Is it? No, you have it with like your tea or your lunch, or in like a nice salad, or like on your burger or something. Not with a bacon sandwich. Bacon and tin tomatoes. Oh my god! What tin tomatoes? That's even worse. How is that right? I feel like we're off track here. You have pizza and deep fry it. That is in no way comparable I mean, to don't tinned fry... tomatoes. We don't deep fry nice pizza. We deep fry like frozen pizza. How does that make it worse? How does that make it better? But, but because like the cheapness adds to it. It's like one of those fairgrounds that travel and you always have fun there despite the, how cheap it is. It's like that. 
You're a mystery, Chris O'Brien, and not one I think <laughs> needs to be solved. Uh, you sound like my ex. <laughs> anyway, moving on from your disgusting dietary habits. Um, how was your New Year? Um, I, I don't remember. Uh, oh, the sign of a good one. <laughs> well, that's it. It's the first one I've actually had to spend like with my folks in a while because normally I either go see my friend or see my brother. So it was a weird one. I think it was a weird one for everyone, actually. I thought some pricks still went up to Edinburgh and partied on the castle and it's like, phase four, come on. We've been in phase four for several days now. Have you not got the memo? As in someone from your family? Not from my family. My, my family are surprisingly responsible considering how normally not responsible they are. <laughs> but lots of alcohol consumed. I mean, yeah, my, yeah, my mum bought like way too much um, beer, considering only one person in this house drinks, uh, two people in this house drinks beer. You and your brother? Um, yeah, and also we had some whiskey left over from Christmas, and I bought my own beer, not thinking Mum would be buying any beer. It was a time, so there was a lot to get through. Fantastic, and you know, if I don't drink it, who is? I mean, you're doing the family a favour. Yeah, like, you're not going to have to deal with just having one random bottle of beer. Because that's always the worst, isn't it? We just have that one bottle of beer in the fridge. And it's like, well, if I drink this, I'm going to want another one. But also, I feel like I'm wasting it. And then when you buy more beer, you forget about it. And you just have this perpetual bottle of beer in your fridge that you never want to drink. And it's always fucking Cronenberg. Uh, duh, Cronenberg's the worst. I know. <laughs> I, actually, no. Like, the worst beer is probably, like, Bud Light. Like, I take fucking as the bitter of a Bud Light. Would you, though? Would you? I mean, I've dr- I, have dr- I have drank some shocking concoctions, let me tell you. I, I can imagine. Knock-off little tenants. And if that's not bad enough, mix that with um, Aldi vodka. Oh, let vodka me bar? You, let me tell you, worst hangover I've ever had in my life. Lasted for like three days. We had, um, when we were at uni, we had the uh, the tiny bottles um, called Brasserie, which are ten, not even half pints of beer um, that tasted nothing like beer, um, but they were great for doing drinking games with. But my God, it was the dirt worst. But it was also dirt cheap, and sometimes the best is dirt cheap. When, you are, when you're 18, you don't give a shit what it tastes like. If it's under three quid, you'll buy it. Doesn't matter. Could be bleach. Doesn't matter. Um, (laughs) When I was like 19, this girl I was in a band with, we did this weird challenge where we were writing a song, but every minute we had to take a shot of beer until we'd written the song. Oh my God, that was a long night. That was a really long night. Beer Centurion. It was awful. (laughs) By by the time you're drunk, we, we wrote... We read the lyrics we came up with the night before. It's like, how was this meant to fit into anything? Jesus. Um, anyway, I suppose we should probably talk about some stardom. And it's been an interesting new year for uh, stardom. First of all, there have been some bits of news. And by news, it's more rumour, let's be perfectly honest, regarding three people to do with stardom. So let's delve headlong into that. Let's start with Riho then. Um, It's been widely reported. Let's just quickly cut to the chase with this. There have been no confirmed reports. 
Nothing has been confirmed. It's been reported by several reputable sources, but it has not yet been confirmed. So let's take this with a little bit of a pinch of salt. It does appear that it might be the case, but let's just take it with a pinch of salt here. Um, it appears that Riho has finished up with Stardom. Um, this is due to the belief that she is signed with AEW and wants to be a part of AEW. And, of course, Stardom at the, at the moment are in the process of signing all of their talent to uh, central contracts, uh, like Siori and Micah, more recently Natsupoi, things like that. Chris... I'll be honest, and I don't want this to sound um, horrible because Riho is a good hand. But yeah. in all honesty, since the restart, has there been any point in Riho being on these cards? I mean, I did a little bit of research. I'm sure someone is going to prove me wrong. But since the restart, she hasn't taken a pinfall. No, and also she hasn't, like, attempted to get a pitfall. We're going to talk about the year-end climax a little bit later, and it's it's something that I've only really noticed recently, but she, she is going through the motions, and the match with her and Azumi against MK Sisters is actually probably the best match that we've seen Rio have since, what, July? And... You know, if you are to believe that AEW have said, yes, you can use her, but you are to use her in small doses, she's not to lose, she's only to have a limited amount of in-ring time, you know, it makes sense that she is down at the bottom of the card with the rookies, with the children, teaming with Goku and Death in the, world, in the Goddess of Stardom Tag League, and that way she can be protected, because, let's face it, she does, she comes in, has the same three or four moves, and tags out. And are we really going to miss that if it's true when she is finished up with stardom? Because I'm, in all honesty, I'm I'm not really that fussed. I've been mentally done with Riho for weeks now. Like, she, well, I'll get into it in the tag match, but she's never not smiling and it's the worst. And I do agree, she's definitely going through the motions. And if I was stardom, I'd be questioning why I'd be spending money on having her on the card. But also, like, we because this was also brought up in our Discord, if this means, like, the end of freelancers, like, that means Nazi Sumire is not coming back, and, like, we can get people like Shiri through the door um, on the freelance deals before they feel enticed enough to sign. That's not an especially good thing. Like, even, like, I can't think of a company right now that's not making use of freelancers. Like, Noah has one's um, going about DBTs do as well. New Japan Suzuki's a fucking freelancer, so I don't know why you'd suddenly bring in this rule because, like Bushi Road, especially they know the value of having a freelancer on there. Like you don't need to push them to the top of the card, but having them on there is certainly a good thing. Relying on freelancers and having freelancers on the card are two very, very different things. Though you look at partway exactly through this year, Chris. You look at partway through this year, you had just on the Stardom roster, which isn't the biggest. It's still it's a fairly substantial roster, but it's not the biggest. You had Suri, Micah, Natsupoi, Natsusumare, and um, Riho. That's five yeah. people 
who are freelancers, and they are people who are on the card constantly. Now, having that amount of freelancers is going to cause you booking headaches. So I do understand no, I wanting, especially if you're going to use them properly, if you're going to use them, you know, like, look at Suri. You know, if you want to put a championship on her and bump her to the top of the card, then, yeah, you you ideally want her to a contract just to you. However, with someone like Natsu, you know, you know the comedy person at the bottom of the card in three ways with your rookies and, you know, the pin eater for Oida Tide, then to me it doesn't particularly matter. I completely agree with you. I think there is room for freelancers and going just on central contracts as opposed to having a balance between the two, I think, is bold. Um, but I don't think I, I don't I, think that's not what they are doing, if I'm honest. Well, like, if they're getting rid of Riho just because she won't sign full-time when you've signed basically everyone else full-time, I feel that's what they are kind of going for. The difficulty is with Riho, she has a contract with All Elite Wrestling. AEW, it's not... AEW yeah. Exactly. It's not like... And to be fair, I think she's better suited in AEW. Like, she's always sort of been... Like, because in Stardom itself, people are classing her like Sai Kamatani, Sai Rida, um, Micah, and even Mina Shirakawa. And the one thing all these people have in common is that they're fucking rookies. So, like, on Stardom shows, she ends up being more of a detriment than anything else for me. So, like, if that's the reason why they've got rid of her, then, yeah, by all means. But if it's because she won't sign to you, despite the fact you're, you basically have free reign over Rio right now because you can't go anywhere else. I don't see I don't see why you'd drop her just for that. I can. I mean, <laughs> she's... <laughs> the booking with AEW completely hamstrings what stardom can do with her. You know, you can't yeah. put her in the five-star because she can't eat a pinfall. You know, she's on the card, but like you said, she's only, not because she's not great in ring, she is good in ring, but... She's fine, yeah. In a high-profile match, she can't do enough to be a part of the match, so it's actually more of a detriment of being there than it is just to not have her on the card. And it's a shame, don't get me wrong, you know, she's she would be a valuable addition to the high-speed division if she was allowed to go 100%. But you've been saying for weeks and weeks and weeks how, you know, you can see that she is going through the motions and I don't think that is her. I think she has been told, right, just slow down, go in, get your shit in, then get out. Don't get injured, don't hurt yourself, don't get pinned. You I know, think literally the one reason they had her there was because having a recognisable face on the card is great for getting newcomers through the door. And like, I think in that respect, she's fine. Mm. And then, like, because with Stardom, you know it with yourself, I'm getting into it like a year ago now, um, how fastly you get into sort of green with Stardom, how fastly you understand everyone's um, character and motivation. So just having that one person on the card, people better can all go forward, that's completely fine. And, like, I think that's one asset, really, that Riho brings to Stardom. Because otherwise, for, like, outside stand, um, outside fans, rather, not stands, um, like, who do you really have unless you're like a dd um, dvt fan and have seen like mina before or you're a uk indies fan and you've seen b before what is there on the stardom roster who you'd already know to help you get into it because like you look at new japan you basically know everyone just through wrestling discourse and before that you had the members of bullet club who you'd know from like tna or b indies 
Mm. But like you get into, you get into stardom right now. Who, who is there that you'll know that will help you get into it? It's not really anyone other than Riho for outsiders. From Riho's standpoint, I can certainly see if she was given the ultimatum stardom or AEW, and I don't think it's as oh. cut and dry as that, then you're obvious. Let's face it, if the pandemic hadn't happened, the chances are stardom wouldn't even have Riho for these dates because she'd be in yeah, America like, for AEW. So, you know. She'd have probably just had the one match where she finally dropped the fucking high-speed belt and then went back off to AEW, yeah. Exactly. Because I, I think what Stardom thought would happen with that, and I think New Japan thought the same thing where Moxley is that if they put the belt on her, that it would appear on AEW TV, like she'd come out wearing the high-speed belt, and that obviously wasn't going to happen. No, the Moxley one is bizarre, but we'll... That's for that's for a different oh time boy. and a different podcast. Oh, but damn! The, the, <laughs> that, that briefcase is more of a fucking title now than the fucking title. Um, if this is the last time we see Riho, then obviously we wish her the best of luck in AEW. Um, yeah, it's a shame we didn't get to see the best of Rio in this run. Let's say. Let's move on then. Uh, let's move on to Momo Watanabe, who was the topic of quite a lot of discussion on Twitter and on our Discord. And it stems from something that was printed in the Wrestling Observer newsletter. So, what I'll do is I'll read it verbatim. And then I just want to clarify something in regard to what I tweeted. And then we'll, we'll have a little bit of a discussion about this, Chris, if that's all right. So, from the newsletter, it does say. There have been questions asked about Momo Watanabe not being on the show. This is in relation to the Wrestle Kingdom dark matches in which the other four main members of Queen's Quest are on the show and Momo isn't. Uh, Stardom made the decision regarding who does the Dome show this year. Watanabe is a very good, even great worker, but the feeling right now is she's number four in her stable and thus didn't make the cut. The feeling is that other wrestlers have gotten more popular in recent months. As noted here before, Julia changed her body going to a personal trainer and you can see that after she was able to do so. Others followed and you can see the women up and down the lineup looking fit. Watanabe has not been doing the body training sessions and looks the same. It's kind of sad because she's a young woman who is clearly in good shape and can go. And across the board at the highest level, body issues are part of the business with men, but far more with women. Since Bushiro bought the company, the women are training in the ring harder than ever with Milano Collection 80 and improving at a more rapid rate. Watanabe was thought to be the future big star because of her work, but after Bushiro bought the company, she's now viewed as a good worker to have on the card. Now, I retweeted this um, and said this is utter bollocks, and I just want to clarify what I thought was utter bollocks. Um... I don't happen to think that Momo not being on the Wrestle Kingdom card is bollocks. I am of the strong opinion that I am fully aware that looks play a part in the wrestling industry. I am fully aware of that. And actually, if you go back to our very, very first episode, uh, ironically, when we were last talking about the year-end climax, um, we were talking regarding the Bushiro purchase and how they were going to be pu- pushing in inverted commas, the more attractive wrestlers and where that left people like Momo and Jungle. I think it's awful. I think it's bollocks. This is in regard to what my tweet was about. I think it's bollocks that Momo will be left behind just because of her look. However, 
One, Dave Meltzer doesn't delve into Joshi that much. We talked about that on the last podcast when we were talking about the Osaka Dream Show and he rated two of the matches, uh, the Julia and Suri show, uh, match and the Utami Momo match. And, you know, it was widely talked about on Twitter and the Discord that Dave doesn't watch a lot of Joshi, so, you know, he's not got a lot um, to go on in that regard. And it could be the case here as well. The fact does remain that even though Momo is a tremendous worker in ring, tremendous, they are hot on Azumi, Utami, Saya. You know, we talked about Julia. Julia has gotten into phenomenal shape. Saya has got into tremendous shape. She's got jacked from absolutely nowhere. Um, but Momo has sort of stayed the same. And whereas before, and this is something that was said in our Discord, whereas before she stood out just because of her in-ring ability, you know, you look at that white belt run, the fabled white belt run, other people have caught her up now. And, you know, she's not the standout that she once was. What do you think about all this, Chris? In regards to Momo being um, the fourth in a stable, not being on the Wrestle Kingdom card, the whole looks argument. Where do you stand? Well, we discussed the looks, um, the placement thing last week when we first talked about the Wrestle Kingdom matches. And in terms of like placement, yeah, she's the one person who sort of wouldn't fit in there. Everyone else has shit going on. Whereas right now, Momo basically just has her feud with the Invaders and that's not going to fit onto this Wrestle Kingdom card. So I kind of guess it. In terms of the look thing, in terms of Bushi Road, this shouldn't really be a surprise when you just look at how they do New Japan. Mm-hmm. Like, do you think, like, Sonata's a solid in-ring worker. He's nothing, like, he does everything perfectly, but he has no real flash. Do you really think he's get he was getting pushed last year for any other reason, but he's pretty and in LIJ? Like, that's why he was pushed. That's why Okada got the rub. That's why Bushi gets the rub. That's why Yoshihashi doesn't. Well, among other things. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Yoshihashi. (laughs) Poor poor lad. He's a strapping young man, Robert. He's a strapping young man. But Um, you're absolutely right. You look at young lions, you're going to push him over. But they're not pushing... um, Like, it's why they don't push... It's, It's a reason, rather, why we don't push Ishii. It's a reason why... Basically, everyone in LAJ were, like, goth pretty boys. Because that that's what they that's how they wanted to market them. So like in terms of Bushi Road, and if this is the case, I hate it, but I'm not surprised. Like I think me and you are basically the same in that we don't really give half a fuck about how a wrestler looks, apart from the minute Kento Miyahara gets webbed feet I'm out beep, the door. Beep, 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 beep. Um like I think we're both of the opinion of we don't really care what how wrestlers look. Look, I mean, like, I really like CG Shikawa, and like, he looks like he's been hit by a bus. So, <laughs> I love so, it. So, I like, love Ishikawa. He is great. Um, so, like, we obviously, we we obviously don't care, but like, we're not running a million dollar company where we're trying to put, where we're trying to sell merch, where we're trying to sell eight by tens, where we're trying to um, sell posters for people to put on their wall. You yeah. know what I mean? So, like, it's easier for us to not care. I still don't completely sympathize with it because, like. You think of some of the best wrestlers in Japanese history. Is re- is Mitsuharu Misawa really a fucking looker? Like, hmm. is, 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 but like, you know what I mean? Or like Akira Tawe, Kawada, 
um, Kabashi, Shinya Hashimoto, none of them are especially like great lookers, but they're still like icons of the business. So I think it's a bit of the old school reductive way to look at wrestling a bit. That is how we're doing it. But like, as you said, it's pure speculation. Right now, I think I said, and I'd, as, as people were talking about in the Discord, I think it is more a case of people with more personality than Momo have come along and they're more attract, like attractive prospects to push. Because like, again, because uh, personality going back to like the New Japan examples, that's why like Ishii wouldn't be pushed because he has exactly one mood and that is I'm angry and made of stone. And Momo kind of has that same thing where it's like I'm angry and also will kill you. So like that is great to have on like going back to the Ishii example, like a, a Momo singles match will probably steal the show. But so what? What else do you have? Like mm. I think that's more of a thinking than just her looks. Yeah. Cause again, evil's getting pushed getting pushed and he's like he's fit but he's not like if you put him next to like Sonata or Shingo or Naito he doesn't really look like anything special does he so like I no. think it might so I think that I think the personality part might have more to play than the actual looks part but again this is all speculation we we know nothing more than what's been written and what's been talked about like, it's not like we have an it's not like we have an insider sport source or anything so <laughs> But, like, anything we say is pure speculation, but, like, if I had to speculate, I would say it's personality more than looks. Because, like, they, they were solidly pushing Jungle throughout um, since she came back, and that's because she's one of the strongest personalities in Stardom. And I think I, I just want to tie all this off. I mean, Niagara Driver put in our Discord... You can't say that Momo's been buried. She's just headlined the biggest show of Stardom's year. And that's absolutely right. Just because she's not on the Wrestle Kingdom card, that doesn't mean she's being buried. You know, she's still in the mix. Yes, she might not be the standout that she once was. I mean, you know, she was effectively handpicked by Io Shirai. But it also stands to reason that a lot of people have caught her up in ring. And, mm-hmm. you know, Bushi Road are not a looks-based industry. I don't want to say that, but they, you know, they do have an eye out for those that are considered, you know, the attractive people. So it'll be interesting to see where Momo goes this year, where Momo's placement on the card is after this. Um, I think it's a shame she's not on the Wrestle Kingdom card, but I can see why she's not. Um, At the end of the day, they're dark matches, so it's not like exactly, um, st- exactly. it's not like Stardom's being shown to the entire world, and like Stardom being on there is basically a push for them in Japan, unless it's on New Japan World, which it's not going to be. I don't like last year doesn't even film for Stardom World, so I'd be surprised if they did that this year. Mm. Yeah, I just I wanted to get your uh, your six cents on it, really, basically, and I just wanted to clarify why I'd said it was bollocks on Twitter. Um, it wasn't because she's not on the Wrestle Kingdom card. Normally, it's me who's getting this into trouble. On oh no, it's not. It's not I'm trouble. In places. I, I didn't. At least I don't think so. Um, but I just want. So, I did realize afterwards it wasn't has, very. Uh, wasn't very clear. Someone just has like your face on the dartboard. <laughs> it's, it's, like t- it's like fucking taxi driver. <laughs> um, final one then, and this is only quick. Um, it's being reported that Kyrie Sane. Um, was initially supposed to be 
weird Nei Takashi and Yoshiko at the end of end of year uh, year end climax. She was originally supposed to be part of that stable of invaders, um, and depending on what news source you read, some are saying that the deal had been done with the WWE and then WWE pulled her out of it at the last minute. Some people say that it wasn't an agreement um, and that basically it was was a no-go. Where do you stand on this? I mean, we talked a while ago actually about how um, Kenta, or Hideo Itami as he was in the WWE, uh, was allowed to go to Noah to go and wrestle Marafuji in the Marafuji 20th anniversary show. However, at that point, were pro wrestling Noah a competition to WWE? Do Did WWE even have an eye on pro wrestling Noah, apart from maybe to buy them out? No, of, co- of course not. Now, whereas, you know, you might say the same for Stardom, Bushi Road owns Stardom, and Bushi Road also owns New Japan, the third biggest wrestling promotion in the world. So, if it's the case that WWE have said we don't want to do any business with Bushi Road, it's stupid, and, you know, it stopped us getting that amazing pop with Kyrie saying, don't forget, we have still got three months, so it might still happen for Budokan. But you can sort of see why WWE are doing this. I mean, she is still contracted talent. She works for WWE Japan, and with ru- rumours ever abound that we're getting this NXT Japan, she's going to be a face of that. So they do want her to be theirs you know they don't want to wrestling for other promotions and they certainly don't want to get injured what do you think chris i'm in too much because like i do have to be careful because i normally very quickly jump onto the fucked wwe side yes because they just they just make it hard not to sometimes <laughs> um but in this case i can see both sides i can see wwe like getting cold feet at the last minute because They've done that in the UK indies. The amount of shows I was going to with NX that had like NXT UK talents that WWE then pulled last minute. Like, it's astounding how often that happens. Mm. And it's it's, like when they lent Kenta to Noah for a card. A, Kenta was nowhere near as big a commodity in WWE as Kairi Sane was. Like, I. Kairi Sane was a much bigger deal in that sphere. Mm-hmm. But also, um, at the time, WWE didn't have many ambitions to try and kill indie scenes internationally. Like, they were just beginning it with um, the NXT UK stuff, but like, we weren't quite at the point where we were trying to just murder any independent scene in the world, like, you, we've heard about, about it, where were we talking about the uh, NXT brands? I'm like, there's a reason we use the NXT brand, because I, I, I won't go on this rant, I, I've been holding it in for a while. Um, but, like, what, Australia, Japan, um, UK, and India, all these places with, like, promising groundswell indie scenes, like, the non-New Japan side of Japan's been getting a lot hotter recently, so that's why they want to swoop in and if they're planning to do this NXT Japan with Kyrie, I can see why we wouldn't want to jump in with Stardom who ba- like in a way went with Bushi Road to sort of brace themselves for like I'd imagine for this WWE Japan thing. 
So I, it's a hard one. Like I wouldn't be surprised if it was cold feet, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was just a no go to begin with. It would have been a lot more like that. And that last segment was great, and we'll get into it later on. But like I imagine it would be like a, a much bigger news internationally if Kyrie Sane was there. And I don't think WWE want Kyrie Sane's name out there unless it's tied to them if they can get away with that. So I like so on one standpoint I kind of get WWE side of it. On the other side of it, I can see WWE might have just been a dick about it. Who knows? Who knows? Because it's not like Bushi Road are like lovely people either, obviously. Well, no, there is that. If I had a gun to your head, Chris. It wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> um, is Kyrie Sane turning up at Budokan? <sighs> Thing is, can I just say, like, if you had a gun to my head, I'd just say anything to get you on the house and then, like, move. <laughs> <laughs> but um, if I was starting them, I would do anything to make it happen. But, like, I don't. If WWE gonna do it, we're gonna be playing fucking hardball. So probably seventy thirty, but I'm gonna go with no. I'm gonna go with if unless it becomes a reveal down the line. I think if this was the plan, it was gonna be here. Especially since she's doing dick all right now. Mm. Um, I agree. Budokan is the biggest thing that stardom will do in 2021 and it is a huge arena you know even with covid restrictions um you need to sell a lot of tickets for that show like a covid sellout would be what it's like a third capacity so that would be five thousand people fifteen thousand people in Budapest. yeah five thousand people thereabouts that's an enormous, so like, enormous amount of tickets for Stardom to sell. Yeah, like I think for a decent profit, maybe three thousand if they'd given them a COVID discount or something. I don't know. Mm. Even trying to draw three thousand one hundred people. Yeah, considering like the most they really tend to draw is like fifteen hundred, and they sell max out there. So, and that's in hot markets. When we went to less hot markets like Sendai, it didn't go too well. I agree you need to get your big names in. And getting Nene Takahashi and Yoshiko is a great start. Um, and it's a hot angle. It's not like we've just gotten in for um, name value. There's an actual angle going into this. There's, There's not. Building. Yeah, they're like, not just exhibition yeah. matches. That's what, at this point, if Kyrie Sane... Because if Kyrie Sane wasn't going to come in here, like chances are a deal won't be done until maybe, like let's say, being optimistic, a month, maybe two weeks before Budokan. And at that point, it's going to be Kairi Sane facing this person she's never faced before, and that's going to be the whole draw. It's sort of like mm. when Chris Jericho turns up in New Japan at that point. <laughs> I think they've done it well. Um, I think the addition of Kairi Sane will be huge, and I think if you're stardom, you're doing everything you can. Um, but on a similar level, if you're the WWE, A, do you want your talent portrayed as a heel? B, do you want your talent wrestling for a company that isn't you, especially in a Japanese market, which is notoriously a stronger style than WWE? So, you know, there are, in their eyes, potentially more injuries to have. Um, 
it'll be interesting. I'm inclined to say no. I don't think she turns up. I would love her to, and I think it would be a huge coup for Stardom to get her back, even if it is just for that one date. Um, even if she does something in a non-wrestling capacity, I imagine it would be a huge get. But we'll wait and see. There's still three months yet, so we'll uh, we'll wait and see. Let's move on then, Chris, and actually review the show we are going to review today. And that was the last show of Stardom's calendar year 2020, the year-end climax from Boxing Day 2020 in Corican Hall in front of 713 people. We open then with a three-way match. Gokik and Death defeating Ruaka and Lady C at four minutes and nine seconds with the O'Connor roll. And this, Chris, was an opener that Parker Klein on Twitter summed up by saying he had a hard time coming up with a more skippable stardom match. Um, I don't know, throw a Riho in there and we can sort something <laughs> out. Um, yeah, it was, it was a standard opener. Like, honestly, I never feel my time's wasted because they never go too long. I'm enjoying seeing that Lady C... Like, I was thinking about this when this match was going on. It's basically the only thing I thought about because there's not a lot to think about in this match. Lady C's had, what, 15 matches? Maybe? Not a ton. I can't check because Cage Match doesn't have a fucking... Doesn't have a profile. Doesn't have a profile yet. But um, she's already botching... Like, I watched um, main stuff from TLC a while um, a couple of days ago, and um, she's botching less than Carmella does. So she's boxing less than like people with in like WWE with way more experiences. So like she's not she, like for her experience, she's really good. Is Lady C? Like I'm not saying you're gonna have your mind blown, but like she's had 15 matches. What are you expecting? I'd argue it's less than that, but no, I I completely agree with you. She's she's solid. You know, there's she's a little yeah. rough around the edges, but again, she's well, had. Basic, but she's a rookie. She's a rookie, exactly. Um. Yeah. This was fine. I completely agree with Parker Klein from Perfectly Honest. However, it was four minutes a shade over. So you had look, you had some interesting minutes with Gokik and Death being small and Lady C being tall. There was some interesting comedy regarding that. Lady C does try and destroy Ruwaka's draw with a, a jaw with a massive big boot. Um, but other than that, nothing really happens. I gave it three stars, I think, Chris. I think it was late. I, did, I didn't bother rating it, but like I think if Lady C. <laughs> Um, like, bulked out a little bit, went to the Sai Reader thing, and, like, became, like, a tall monster. A bit a bit like Julia, but a bit taller. Mm. Um, I think that big boot could be a finish. Yeah, agreed. Agreed, because it's stiff, and she's got the frame for it, so, yeah, I, mm-hmm. I agree with that. Like, it's not like when Sami Zayn <clears throat> has a fucking big boot and finished. I still don't understand that. <laughs> he has a perfectly fine brain buster to let him use. Anyway, let's move. Uh, speaking of Sayurida, match two saw Momo Watanabe defeat Sayurida at 11 minutes and one second with the B driver. Chris, opinion, please. Um, well, the most obvious point of comparison for this match would be their other match in the five star. Mm. And I think I like this one a bit more just because I had I briefly thought that Sayurida could win. Her fire is getting really good. Her chops are getting better. She's no longer on a losing streak. She's starting to find her mojo a bit. So, like... This again, this is another case. This singles match was basically hierarchy maintenance mm. and allowing Momo to get a win back after a big loss at Osaka. But like the match ended up being above its station because it ended up being really good, brutal at times, some nice little catches. 
And yeah, not, nothing mind blowing, but in terms of like the second on the card singles matches, it's probably about as good as you're going to get for that, isn't it? Because you think back to what's normally in the spot, I think the match that sticks out most weirdly is Tam, is Tam versus Ida from a couple months ago. Mm. And that was wank. So... <laughs> <laughs> it was shit. And then you had Riff, which had like this sort of little underdog story put in there. Pop the crowd as much as you can pop a COVID era crowd. Fun stuff. No, no real complaints. I also, think... is it just me, me or is like Sayuri getting scarily? Like, I, she's going to turn into fucking Arnold Schwarzenegger soon. Like, <laughs> she's going to come with a fucking um, rocket launcher shouting Asta La Vista. Actually, I told that to Manita and it's the worst thing because she's got a fucking Nerf gun, right? Someone bought that fucking monster a Nerf gun. And I can't go to the bathroom now because she shoots me with her Nerf gun. It's awful. And she's, I said that, I said the Asta La Vista line when, um, when I was using it. And then she picked it up. So every, every time she walks past me, she points out at me and goes, Asta La Vista, Chrissy. And it's the worst. It's the worst fucking thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think there's an, there's an interesting parallel here. You said you actually thought Saya had a chance of winning here as opposed to the five star match. I agree. And you look at the previous future stardom champion, Micah, who did Momo lose to in the five star? Micah. So that parallel that Saya, she is a champion now. Yes, it's the future champion, but she is still a champion. She could quite easily upset the odds in a singles match like this. Momo wrestled this match as though nothing in the past few weeks had been going her way that being put in a match second on the card against the future of stardom champion was an enormous step down to her. And basically every time Saya got that fiery resistance, Momo just got increasingly grouchy, which I like. I like grouchy Momo. It's brilliant. When you, when you say grouchy, I just imagine someone like you saying, go to your bed, you're not going to have supper. Like, <laughs> it was grouchy the best word you could use. I think it's a good word. It's summed up. Do you know who it reminds me of? You know, um, in the best of the Super Jeff. Juniors uh, uh, last year, when Tiger Mask had, he had a match with, oh, I was going to tell you who it was. I think it was Is Rob- it Narita. Maybe, mate. No, was it Narita? I can't remember. Anyway, he got incredibly angry with the youth and just started beating the shit into them. And Grouchy Tiger Mask is best Tiger Mask, and this is what really showed through for Momo here. Like, especially as towards the end, Saya kept kicking out of things, and you could see Momo just going, "For fuck, sake, I have had a shit week. Just stay down, Saya." And um, then eventually, Saya's naivety. And then experience comes in. She actually goes and runs at Momo, who just kicks her in the fucking head, uh, and finishes with a B driver. But yeah, I actually really, really enjoyed this match. Um, I gave it seven. Um, yeah, high six, maybe low seven. It was a really enjoyable little sprint. Mm, absolutely. Match three then, tag team action with MK Sisters defeating Azumi and Riho at 12 minutes and 44 seconds with the modified Dragon Sleeper. Two things uh, initially, Chris, and then I'll throw to you. The first thing from the opening promo, it sounds like MK Sisters are firmly setting their sights on tag gold, 
which I'm certainly not opposed to. Um, I think it shines a spotlight more on Starlight Kid, which is perfect because I think she's had a really, really, really good 2020 and actually putting gold like that on Starlight Kid at some point this year, which I think they will do, really does shine that light on her, push her that little bit further because I do think she's in for a big year this year. Um, Secondly, this was the moment that I really realised, if I, you know, if it wasn't as clear before, that Riho is being protected because why be why tap Azumi out? Did Azumi really need to be the one tapped out here? Um, but you know, it annoyed, it annoyed me more than it should have done. Um, but there we are. Um, the stuff that I was talking about before about Riho's offense and how. Her strikes are very weak. Her offense is very weak. And she's in there with Starlight Kid, who <clears throat> we've spoken about before for exactly the same thing. And it really does show the difference in someone like a Starlight Kid and how much progress they've made with their offense. And then you compare it to Riho, who, you know, whether she has been told to or not, hasn't done that. And I thought that was a really interesting parallel to draw, Chris. Yeah, um, yeah, because to be fair, like if you're going to compare like any two members on the roster, especially if we're going into the start of last year instead of the end of last year, it was time of an illusion. Um, Riho and Starlight were probably the most comparable people, but Starlight, is, since in terms of like stardom output, it's far surpassed Riho. Mm. And to be fair, like this is probably the best we've seen Riho. This was a really good match. Um, like Riho ranting aside, like even with Rio being protected, there was a lot of good stuff. Um, like you have know, three of the best in Stardom and Riho, so um, it's like the beginning between Starlight and Azumi. I think I put in like a group chat where it's like these two are 18 and they're already better at wrestling than I'll ever be at anything. <laughs> <laughs> the, the opening sequence between these two was fantastic, to be fair. Yeah, really good Lucha things. Um, Mayu, I think, hurt somebody <laughs> when she threw her. <laughs> we did talk back. about this like, earlier. She either hit someone in the crowd or got it stuck on the roof. And, like, I've been there in both counts. It's not fun. When you've been throwing your sweatband into the crowd? It wasn't a, no, okay, it's a difficult so time was... being Chris, isn't it? You know, you're standing there and suddenly a crowd a crowd develops around you. Oh, fuck's sake, again. So you take off your sweatband and you launch it and it gets stuck in the roof. It's it's our time being you. Well, actually, no, it was it was my beanie. Why were you it, throwing it, your it beanie was... into the crowd? No, there was no crowd. Why okay, had the so crowd developed? Fu- so I was chucking <laughs> it up and down, right? I was going down the corridors at uni and there was wee fans down one of the corridors and I accidentally threw it too high and I got caught on the fan and it's just there spinning and it wouldn't come off and I can't reach up and grab it because A, the fan's like three foot out of my reach and B, it, it, I, I might lose my hand. So I just had to accept my hat was gone. I mean, that was really hard because it was winter in Perth and it's very hilly and very cold and very icy and I almost died on the walk back. It was awful. Just for any international listeners, that is Perth in Scotland, not in Australia. Oh, that confused... Like, despite, like, 
living in Scotland. That confused the fuck out of my brother when I mentioned I was going to Perth for uni when I got in. <laughs> he was like, what, you've been to Australia? No. No, no, no. I'd be awful in Australia. I can't handle the heat at all. Anyway, what we talk... Oh, yeah, right. Stars versus Azumi and Rio. Um, is it just wondering, did Rio look super out of place in the entrances? Like, she didn't seem to know what the QQ sign was. Um, yeah, I think that was sort of put on. I think the whole I don't have a stable sort of lonely soldier and then she's been given she's given this mask and if there was ever an attire that is an odds with a queen's quest mask it's Riho's. yeah uh to be fair like when you say lona i just imagine like donkey truck going i am all over. <laughs> there's no one here beside me <laughs> and then azumi just like stops thinking it's great azumi is now shrek that's canon okay um but yeah like Again, this and this match sort of continues my enjoyment of Stardom secondary finishes because it got finished with a sleeper, mm-hmm. which is great. And also, I have to ask about that because, like, I did a squat once. It was the worst thing I've ever done in my life, and I don't know how May can like do like that's so impressive to me. Like, but she can like squat with like a, t- a person. Like how I did a squat once, and I never, I never want to do one again. They're awful. She's just tremendous. Um, I won't have a bad thing <laughs> to say ever about me, uh, apart from the fact that she can't throw. Um, well, maybe she was aiming for someone in the crowd. Maybe she just didn't like them. Maybe I can't imagine maybe she, Maeve may- doesn't like anyone. Um, well, she doesn't Tam, like that yeah. much nowadays. Yeah, true. Like not, Ma- not Madame Mina. Um, not terribly mad she, on Mina, to be fair, no. I don't think she has an opinion on Minagi, to be honest. It's <laughs> like a sprig of mint in a vindaloo. Um, just doesn't, <laughs> just doesn't matter. <laughs> that, that's up there with the greatest quotes of all in all of cinema history. Just like you have Blade Runners, and these memories will pass like tears in rain. And then <laughs> Rob Goodwin, <laughs> like a spit of mint in a vindaloo. <laughs> You just don't notice. Um, for for everything I've said about Rio on this podcast, I think this is probably one of her best outings since the yeah. restart. It is kind of like saying you're the best Kevin Smith films film that's not Clerks, because like other than Clerks, his output's shocking. Yeah, and I think uh, being in the ring with Azumi helped. They had some decent tandem offense. There was a really good moment mm-hmm. where Azumi wriggles out of the two-step dragon sort of gets down onto her hands and knees and Rhea runs up, jumps on her and hits Mayu with a knee. That was tremendous. Yeah, that was great. That was really good because, like, Mayu's athletic. Like, it's very hard to make a knee look bad. Just just do V... Like, do your Kenny Omegas, mate. Just do V-triggers all the time. Um, But yeah, other than that, absolutely fine match. Everything worked. I, I enjoy MK Sisters. I think we... I am giving a bold prediction now. I think we do see both of them with tag gold at some point. Um, well, maybe that's why the tag titles are put on a heel. Well, that is what I thought. Um, <laughs> I'll be perfectly honest. Um, but we'll get we'll get to that in a moment. I gave this seven stars, Chris. I really enjoyed this match. Yeah, I'm feeling a soft seven on this one. It was a fun little match. Match four then, Himapoi defeated Saki Kashima <laughs> and Natsukatora of Awidatai at 11 I'm minutes. I'm going to get used to that name. <laughs> uh, it's 11 minutes and 42 seconds with the German suplex. Hold. Question. 
Yeah. What the fuck was that promo? <laughs> the one about pork sprouts. Yeah. <laughs> what is a pork sprout? Uh, no idea. Um, I'm gonna. I'm going to Google it. Please pork do. Sprouts. Um, sprouts with pork and peanut recipe. That's not. I don't think that's what they were talking about. Um, I put in. It's just. It appears to be a kind of noodle. Well, there's noodles involved. I don't know. I should not be allowed to analyze other cultures. I, I eat deep fried pizza. But um <laughs> But you know what? Um first of all, I really enjoyed um I, I refuse to say their tag name. I would I just refuse. Um I really enjoyed Himiko and Natsupoy's um entrance, like with Natsupoy on Himiko's shoulder. It's just great. It's a statement, the shouting, This is me. It's amazing. Uh <laughs> I swear that's the last one, because I've run out of songs on the soundtrack. Well, then again, in terms of great showman references, I can never, it's never enough. It, it's never enough. It's a great song. Uh, anyway, moving on, moving on. Um, and then, this wasn't that bad a match. I was surprised, because it was an actual creative use of the chain. There was, and... The chain's so stupid, because you can hear it. It's like, an inventive spot if nothing else. But the fact that it took fucking ages to do, it went wrong because Himika got out of it way too early. <laughs> we spent so long cut to them that we missed the action in the ring. It's just... It's... It's got to the point now where... You get the impression, now that Tora has that chain, that's her gimmick, and she feels like she has to use it in every match. And, you know, we talk every single episode about how it becomes less impactful the more time uses. Full credit for trying something more inventive. But did that spot need to be done in what was a throwaway tag match? Did it need to be used? No. Imagine if she'd used that in the five stars to get a count out win against a big name. That would have been great. That would have been perfect. That would have been perfect. I think that's the problem with... Um, I think that's the problem with Tara is that she has decent ideas. She doesn't know when to use them. Like, what most reminds me of, there was the build to Fear and Loathing in ICW a couple of years ago, and it was going to be Viper or Piper Niven now in NXT UK, Bastards, versus Kaylee Ray. And it was going to be like a... Um, what do they call it again? It was It's like no holds bad. It's like, oh, it's, a, it's like a death match kind of thing. And... Viper, like one of the biggest spots of the match was Viper hitting a Canadian destroyer. Great stuff, because like she's much bigger than everyone else, so it looks really cool. But then she did it on the on one of the build-up shows on a random fucking fight club taping in Aberdeen, of all fucking places. And it's like, yeah, that would have been so cool if you just saved it. That's kind of how I feel about a lot of stuff that Tora ends up doing when it's creative. I, I can't disagree. That That's the thing, just I think that's the thing. She she has this chain now, and she's used it that often now that she feels like she has to use it. And yeah, she, that's she the doesn't. Thing she, uses, she uses it so often, and like, because it's it's at least brought up every show, right? Mm-hmm. And but it started to affect how I see chains in everything else. I mean, in wrestling, not all in right, okay. Uh, no, I mean, like, in, <laughs> like, because I remember. 
during the summer when Brody Lee versus Cody happened. And like that that is objectively a really good match. But when the hanging spot happened, I was sick of it because I'd seen it so often in Stardom. You just heard the Oida Tai theme in your head. Yeah, yeah. Oh god, that fucking theme. <laughs> dum, I, dum, it's just dum. This, it's not high screech. It's like when I try to do it's like when I try to do Goto's theme. It's ridiculous. God, yeah, that is that is painful. Don't ever try and do it I again. Mean, I mean, I did it once, like, two years ago. <laughs> um, the reason we're talking about this is because not a lot else happened in the match. Yeah, dick all else happened, really. Um, to be fair, like, um, both Natsuko and Himika, I think they work really well as a team. I wouldn't mind them being, like, aware that I... Not aware, being Don Demondo's tag contingent for a while. No, I they agree. Do, they do work well together. The small person, little person thing works. The entrance is on point. Um, I'm a bit sad that Himika's sort of not done much since her white belt defense, but I guess there's not really anywhere for her right now. Like, it, she's not exactly being put badly, so it's not that bad a thing. Um, Posaki needs to get something because, like, the small amount of time she spent with Nats playing this match was good. Mm-hmm. Like, again, Saki needs like they're bringing in outsiders for the high speed belt, but I think Saki versus Izumi would be perfectly serviceable. That that doesn't make it sound like I'd like it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you're not exactly like, building be... it for people, mate. It would be average. Yeah. Uh, it, no, it'd be. A, I think it would be a fairly good match because whenever Saki... fairly good, Fair... right. I, I think I it would be okay. It. I think like, it would I be don't... okay to passable. No, no, that's it. I think I'm just trying to say Saki deserves more than she's getting, but I can't bring myself to say anything involving a weather tie would be great. <laughs> I gave this five, mainly for the Natsupoy and Saki segments. Otherwise, there was no real heat to this match. It's a throwaway tag, but there was nothing offensive. I'm willing to give the chain spot the benefit of the doubt for the sole reason of it being slightly more inventive than the other ways they've used that fucking chain. So (laughs) I gave it five. It's like when um, there's that one good episode in a series of a show you used to love that is now shite, and you hold on to that for the rest of the season thinking maybe, just maybe, it will reach those heights again. It will reach six out of ten once more. Yeah, it was a fight. It was perfectly average. Six-woman tag team action then in the semi-main with the DDM team of Julia, Suri, and Micah defeating the Cosmic Angels at 17 minutes and 16 seconds with the anchor Toshi. Now, Chris, the 26th of December is Mina Shirakawa's birthday, and they put it on the big screen during the entrances, which is quite cool, and you had um, Julia uh, asking her how old she was in the ring, which was hilarious. Tam said that her... And Yunagi will deliver a victory as her present for a birthday. And Julia has a birthday present for her as well, Chris. A broken fucking nose. <laughs> right, we'll get we'll get to that. But first of all, I wanna like the pro well, they, I was only like when the promo came on, because it was um them and DDM, I knew there wouldn't be any serious storyline developments, but sort of zoned out. I was mm-hmm. um working on a script for a video, so like I zoned out for a second to write something. And then just suddenly very loudly they're singing happy birthday. I'm like, Whoa, whoa, what the fuck? What the fuck? What's happening? Have I fallen asleep? Um and then during the, I thought the like segment where Julie's asking how old I thought that was really funny. 
Yeah, I did. Like, the shouting, don't ask me that. <laughs> and then, like, the, ref- the referee's dialogue wasn't un- subbed out for some reason, but the referee telling her off. And Julie's just like, wait, what? <laughs> and-, and then time gets in, and Julie's just like, are you as old as her? Brilliant. Savagery. Was- Absolute savagery. Was- you know what else is savage? Um, the boot Julia delivered to <laughs> Mina. Right. I want to address something. Um, it has been said by someone in the Discord whose name escapes me about Julia being an unsafe worker. I don't think she's an unsafe worker. I, I think I think the fact that this happened not that long after the package pile driver isn't helping anything. I think she was a little bit too snug. I don't think it's seen like this boot didn't seem like anything inherently unsafe. This wasn't like when. Um, Nia Jax was dropping people. That's the thing. Like this isn't this isn't like when Seth Rollins was throwing people too hard on the um on the buckle bomb. Like the when like if we rewind back to the back of power driver spot, I I can't remember if I said this in the last podcast, but like I kind of put that down to like adrenaline because we're in like a big match in a big arena, and it was bad. But like I don't see her doing it too often, so like it's not going to be a sustainable problem. This, I literally just think it was a freak accident. I think it was just like, like, because wrestling is such a snug thing, especially when you're working as snug as some Japanese wrestling wrestlers do. Um, shit like this half does happen, and it even happens in do degree. And like, Julia hasn't been unsafe throughout the rest of the year. No, so I I don't think she's suddenly become unsafe. I think she. We just had a couple of freak accidents fairly close to each other. I mean, there was reference to the bruises to Tam's face. I mean, you are going to get stuff like that. You're going never to get watch bruises. A match in, never watch a Walter match. If, if, I, if I bother you, never watch exactly. a Walter match. Exactly, exactly. And the bruises, or, the bruises were Hansen bad. Match. The bruises were bad, yeah. but you're going to get that. You're effectively kicking each other in the face. You're, you're think, going to I get s- that. I sometimes feel people can try to microscope on it too hard sometimes. Like, Stan Hansen knocked out Vader's eye. Like, you don't have people going on about how unsafe he was for the rest of his career. And Stan Hansen was fairly objectively not safe. Slightly different, but yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah, like, um, I don't like I, I don't think he's inherently unsafe. She's never injured anyone and. Stuff like this happens. Like you could argue that stuff like this happens on a fairly regular basis. It's something to look at promotion as a whole. Like you look think back to like Arisa versus Utami, which some people took umbrage with. I thought it fucked. Um, so yeah, I honestly, it's one of those cases of time will tell. But it's not like when again going back back to Nia Jax, it's not like when she was like clocking people in the face and injuring them on a very regular basis. Like yeah. when it's when it's when you're doing snug strikes and one accidentally connects and there's a bruise, that's a lot that's a lot different. Like this was a bad like don't get me wrong, this was bad. Like it's clear that like Mina was rocked because, you know, her nose was broken. But like at, at the very least, if this pattern continues, I think Julia is good enough at patching up issues she has but it's not going to be a long-term issue but again i don't think it's an issue i think it's just a run of bad luck in that regard because i honestly you don't see her being that unsafe 
happened before. Like even beyond that, Julia's had a share of botches happening to her. Like Utami dropped her on a fucking head on the a couple of podcasts ago. Oh god, yeah, yeah, that was horrendous. So, so again, I don't think I. I know I'm repeating myself, but like, I don't think Julia's unsafe. I think she's just had a couple bad accidents close to each other, and it's had a microscope um, microscope shone on her because of it. Yeah, absolutely. And the difference is between her and a Nia Jax, this is the last thing I'm going to say on it, I think the difference between her and a Nia Jax is that Nia was, she had, she wasn't safe with other workers in regard to, like, the. I don't know, I don't know how to describe it, but there is, there is a difference between... There was incompetence there, whereas I don't, like, these issues with yeah, Julia. That's probably the best way like, to describe it. Like with Nia Jax, it was a, being incredibly green on a massive stage. Whereas with Julia, it's more a case of um, adrenaline, like this being her first really big push of her career, and like in terms of like something bigger. Like I know she was pushed in Ice Ribbon, but like, do you know anyone who watches Ice Ribbon? Well, I do, but I, I bad example. Um, but like, this is the biggest push she's gotten, so I think she's getting a lot of like she gets adrenaline too much and she's getting overzealous at, like if there is any trouble um, or any problem it's that like she's not incompetent like if someone just goes to a slow down she'll probably just slow down and things will be fine again like she she's not dropping people on moonsault she's not um, smashing people in the face for no reason like but this is a planned spot that just went wrong it happens there's a and difference it, between Accidentally kicking someone, and I will just say as well, Mina doesn't turn her head. So, yes, the majority of the blame can be put at Julia's door, but Mina needs to turn her head as well, otherwise she is going to get a boot straight to the face. Um, but there is a difference between that and not catching Charlotte's moonsault, trying to do a backbreaker and then put the wrong leg up, swinging wildly with punches with no control. There is a difference between those two what, things. What if it's kind of... Minds, it's actually what this reminds me of has gone. We spent too long on this because, like, our answers are very simple. She's not unsafe, but she might need to tone it down a bit. Like, that's basically what we're taking from this. Basically, basically, this match otherwise was very, very good. And I, I will I say, it, I, I thought it dragged a bit to be honest. I thought you could have cut maybe like two, three minutes off of this. Well, I will say, actually. I do agree to a certain point. It do, it does drag. It certainly didn't need to go seventeen minutes, and we didn't need the DDM sort of goodbye to everyone like it was the end of the show afterward either. But that was weird, wasn't it? <laughs> well, I was like, if I missed the last bit, because then we had the Wrestle Kingdom announcements, and then we had the main event, so it was very bizarre. But anyway, um, I thought that Unagi wrestled very, very well here, and I have mm-hmm. been her possibly her biggest detractor. However, here she was solid. She was a great babyface in peril. Um, She seemed more confident, which was really, really clear throughout the offense segments, especially her double teams with Tam, because that's where I've noticed that she's a little bit green. She will look at Tam as though to say, right, now what do I do? Whereas here, she was confident, she knew the spots, she knew what she was doing. And it seemed 
to click better. I think Cosmic Angels are clicking better as a team. I mean, they won't be for about two months now because unfortunately Mina's nose is broken and she's out for two months. But you get the impression they are gelling better as a team. Their tag team offense is coming along tremendously. And even though I think Yunagi is still extremely bland in offense, needs to increase that somehow, make it more interesting somehow, she did play the babyface in peril, especially with Micah, who she's had this beef on Twitter with, very, very well. Um, As far as DDM go, DDM are great. Um, I think they've been tremendous throughout the year. Micah, I think, has been tremendous throughout the year. She was great here, and I think it was brilliant that they gave her the victory. Just to make sure that people don't forget that she challenged for the red belt. She's next in line for Utami's red belt. So, yeah, overall, went a bit long. Didn't need to be that long, but otherwise, I thought it was a perfectly good match. Probably Hunagi's best outing in stardom. It's a real shame about Mina. We hope she recovers quickly. But otherwise, I'd give it a solid high six. Yeah, I'm doing a five six on this, yeah. So we move on then to the main event. Obviously, the Wrestle Kingdom announcements immediately followed this match. Uh, we talked about them in the last podcast. So if you want to go and check them out, I'm sure everyone that's listening to this podcast has seen those announcements because the matches are on Tuesday as we record. So uh, go and listen oh. to that. Um, oh, shit. Wrestle Kingdom's tomorrow. Wrestle Kingdom's oh, yeah. first day is tomorrow. Um, yay. Main event then, Goddess of Stardom Championship match. Uh, Black Widows, the team of Konami and B Priestley, defeated the champions Aphrodite at 16 minutes and 4 seconds with the triangle armlock. Chris, I have got some shit to say. I, I'm going to let you get out of the way then. You know, you know <laughs> what I'm going to say, because it's literally the only bad part of this match. This match was when wrestled did... very, very well. The entire premise of the entire first half of this match was Konami and B Priestley destroying with a targeted and focused ferocity Sayakamatani's arm and they were brilliant with it and for the first time in god knows how long I looked at an Oedatai team and thought these look fucking badass they destroyed this poor girl they completely isolated her from Utami and kicked the shit out of her locked her arm in the barricade wrapped her in repeated arm submissions kicked the shit out of her arm and B Priestley who I must admit this is my this is the best match I've seen B have with the possible exception of Momo at the SW with for the SWA belt and then Saya does that fucking cartwheel thing and doesn't sell it at all <laughs> and it's like we've gone back to square one. Just six months ago, yeah. I mean, it's I not even it's, like, it's, Chris. It's not even like it was a little bit of a no-sell. Because we'd gotten hmm. to a point where Saya would only do half of it or she'd ignore it completely and just do a different move because she couldn't do it because of her arm. And it seemed like we were phasing it out. But this, this was, this was worse than when she did it when Konami and Jungle Kiona faced off against Aphrodite for the tag titles back at Corican in what July it was it was so blatantly bad and we sing the praises of Sayakamatani on this podcast the year that she's had is tremendous but I'm sorry this was 
appalling. The lack of selling for the amount... It wasn't even like it was only one arm submission. It wasn't It wasn't even like they'd only kicked it once. They'd spent 10 minutes of the match kicking the shit out of her arm. And then she does that handspring drop kick. And that, that, was, that was it. I was done. I was like, I can't it, take... It's, it's almost, completely taken me out of the match. It's sort of like what I've been saying about Saya, and I said it for most of the five star, where she had... um, She has wrestling psychology 102 down. Like, her facial expressions are great. Her character is good. She can... We, like, we know what she's feeling at any given time. But she didn't get through wrestling psychology 101, which is your arm is being targeted... Therefore, it doesn't have full mobility. Like, selling an arm isn't that hard. Because, like, it's, like say you're getting, like, your shoulder attacked. You still have some mobility. It, it will just hurt like fuck. So, like, you look at Go- how Goji Izaki sells his shoulder. And he'll still throw, like, his big chops. But he won't follow up because he can't. Because he's basically used his shoulder card for that round or whatever. Imagine it's D&D or something. Whereas, like... So I don't know, like I don't see if your arm's being targeted unless it's like maybe your lower arm, like just like between your wrist and your elbow. I don't know what that's called. Tricep? I don't know what limbs are called. Um like maybe, but like that wasn't what was being targeted. It's a bit of a shit because like it, we it's basically the similar opinion that we had to when they won the belt where it's oh, this was great, and then the no sell happened and it just it does remove you completely because it's almost out of nowhere like it's not even like even if she like did a comeback and it built to the cartwheel that might be something but the cartwheel was what brought in the comeback and i was talking to someone i couldn't tell you who it was but they mentioned how a lot of times um limb selling in japan is more something to be overcame than it is something to be um used if that makes sense, like the narrative would build up to them overcoming it, and that kind of makes sense. Like you see, look at the Aoyagi this um, triple crown match from last year, and that it ended with that um, targeting being come over. I'm trying not to mention his name because that fucking alarm. Hmm. Um, but then here, that's not what it is. It it was literally just she did the cartwheel. Like she doesn't even need to do the car wheel. She could do like a forward roll or something into a drop kick. Like there's other there's other flips if you want to be flashy. It was but literally the next move as well. It wasn't even like time yeah. had passed. Yeah, it's like some I know. It's like yeah, yeah. It's just and it's a shame because like I literally did not take notes for the rest of this match because I was ranting about the fucking Nosa in my notes it's fairly comical reading it it's like because the word fuck is brought up quite often but yeah like what i'd like what time stamp do you think that happened because like this is a 60 minute match i feel like half of it was spent with me just being mad at the no sell right. it's, it's probably not fair to the rest of the match it's not because the that, rest of the match was really good yeah and like it ended on a it ended on a submission as well, but I can't I it didn't did. write down what how it ended. Yeah, so like it built fine. It's just I don't know. It's it's the kind of me how way of selling where you just ignore it until it needs to be used, and it's the worst way to sell them. I don't mind it if 
a period of time has gone and, you know, you can shake it off or you can shake some feeling back into the arm, you know, or the leg or whatever. And you can, you know, you can see some, you can see that in the way a wrestler performs. And again, I am fully aware that she is only a year into her stardom journey. But, but if you don't think so, if you don't think someone can handle a narrative, don't, don't give them that narrative. Exactly, exactly. And this has been something throughout this year, despite how and they've put belts on it, so they see mm-hmm. a lot in Saya Kamatani, as we do. We love Saya. She's done tremendously this year, but that was so egregious. Like it's the worst one I've seen, and I might be completely on my own little island about how much it took me out of the match but how it was how no time had passed how it was the very next move after i think it was b or was it konami i can't remember i think it's b in the ring and b's kicked her arm and she just the next move is her doing that handspring and i watched in slow motion it happened and i was like she isn't no. Did the kill did the kill bill thing happen where it goes in your screen goes to your face? Duh, duh. I was but, so fucking angry. Um seeing red. Um to be fair, like other than that, I'm glad that like Konami is being used for something. Jesus. Like she's back where she was um with jungle. But she's at least back somewhere. Like I if there's one like if there's a positive I'm taking out of this match, because I I don't hate this match, it's just that one thing really annoyed me. Exactly. Um, if there's one, well, two positives. One, we got an Utami and Konami technical sequence. Mm-hmm. Loved it. Secondly, K- Konami has a reason to be somewhere on a card again. Because where the fuck has she been since um, Sendai? And where the fuck was she before Sendai? Like, they seem to just have a float around, bring her in for a title match, and then have a float around again. That's basically been a booking since, well, I, they were being completely honest with ourselves with the exception of the five stars since stardom came back. So I'm just happy there's a reason for her to be something again. It appears she's being a B member for B, which I'm not massively happy about, but it, it's something, it's at least something you're not having to do nothing again. So I'm really looking forward to that. I think B Priestley is good for Konami because Konami's sort of stoic. She doesn't, she shows personality, but not too much, whereas B Priestley shows so much personality that it can sometimes be really fucking annoying. She emotes very well, B Priestley, whereas Konami is very much the silent killer. Yeah. Um, it's sort of like the same dynamic you have in, like, a lot of Suzuki Gun tags, where, like, weirdly enough, Desperado, despite having a mask, is really expressive, and then you have Kanemaru, who has one expressive, and that slightly drunk grandpa. <laughs> but, um, yeah, like, other than that, but this is a great way, probably the best way you could get the belts off of them is targeting Saya, because otherwise um, you're making your red belt champion look a tiny bit bad. But like because her t- partner's a rookie, it went by fine. This match was good. Again, I'm, this is something I'm surprised more companies don't do. To be fair, more companies have been doing it, especially like all Japan with this recent run of shows, is using the tag titles um, to showcase for world t- champion much. And we've done it here, and it was done well. Honestly, I think... I be much more generous if the um Salon could stay consistent. But exactly. Like it it didn't and I I can't like a match for what I want it to be rather than what it is. I'm feeling honestly anywhere for it's I know this sounds harsh, but anywhere between a four and a six I'd probably agree with you. I wanted to give it a high seven eight. 
I really, really wanted to because I thought the chemistry between Konami and Utami especially was tremendous. But <clears throat> the it was it really wound me up. It really annoyed me. So I think I think a six would be fair because I don't want to take away from the other three performers in the ring. So let's give it a six and call it that. I agree with the title change. I think it works. I think you've got a raft of face tag teams now to try and take the belts off Konami and B. Konami and B, I think this, they showed more chemistry here than they showed throughout probably 75-80% of the Goddesses of Stardom Tag League. So if this is what we're going to have as them as champion, I'm perfectly fine with that. I do see them being eventually toppled by MK Sisters, and I think that would work. Um, Their first challenges have been announced, and we'll go into that in a moment. Um, But yeah, overall, fine match. Just one really, really bad bit that really annoyed me. Um, Obviously, after all this, Chris, we had the angle, and we talked at length about... Uh, Nene Takahashi and uh, Yoshiko's return last week. So please go and check out uh, last week's podcast um, to hear more about uh, that and our in-depth thoughts about that, where it's going and what we thought about that. Um, Chris, is there anything you want to add to that or are you happy leaving that where it is until we get more build? In terms of... My opinions have slightly shifted in this sense of when I last what when I first watched it it was like handicap footage like from the crowd whereas uh. here I got like cause, yeah because it was I saw someone talking about it before I put up on world so here I actually got to see it in full production and the full production is as like as soon as they walk in you could see just every, like even death yeah um even Goku and death had a look on her face of oh shit hmm and now that I can actually hear what people are saying, it was great. Like, uh, I know I said it before, but Julia should really come to the ring with two copies of Tokyo Sports. Proper Owen Hart it up. I yeah. agree. But, like, have, have like, airbrush Tokyo Sports in her tights. I think it would be absolutely amazing. Because um, she wants to see Yoshiko going, hi, not best Yoshi. <laughs> <laughs> um, I loved Tyree to step, stepping up like an angry kid in the um in like a Pixar movie. Like she was basically scrappy D, wasn't she? <laughs> she was. And then she got pushed down and you were like, oh, I feel sorry for her now. <laughs> no, I never felt that sorry for Scrappy D. Uh, <laughs> let me add him, let me add him. And then just um I, I know we discussed it last week about lines from Momo. If you think this is the Momo Atanari from five years ago, you're going to get injured. Amazing. Like oh my oh my god, yeah. And, like, you, I, I'm trying to think of a comparison I can make with just the feeling of, like, almost dread as soon as they entered that ring. Like, uh, like it almost like a ghost had come back. I'm trying to think of, like, a TV show or a movie reference I could make. Um, but it, it's completely escaping me. But, like, it, it was literally like a ghost in their past came in and... I know I said earlier that it would have been more impactful in terms of like a news cycle if Kyrie was there, but I think in terms of a angle, in terms of how much dread was put onto the whole Stardom roster, apart from the Redditor who had fucked off, um, 
the amount of dread that's put on those people. I think that'd have been taken away if Kyrie was there. Because both women have such a presence there. Like Kyrie has a presence, but it's not that kind of presence. Mm. So yeah, I, as an angle, I, like this is probably the most. This is m- the most. I don't quite know where this is going. I felt about Sardom. I must. I'm thinking of Sardom. You never know where the fuck it's going because we seem to book up random sometimes. So. I, I am excited. This isn't like an evil winning the belt. Oh, I wonder what's going to happen now that they've done this really stupid thing. Kind of interested. This is an oh my god, I'm desperate to see what's happening going forward. Because like, they basically started their mania angle. Like I, I said to this to you in the group chat actually, this whole show felt a lot like a New Year's Dash. In that, like, you're not getting any special matches, but things are being set up for future big shows. Mm. So... Just, I I I am more excited now. Um, I know I know it's one of the questions later about whether or not we've seen, um, especially Yoshiko like um modern day Yoshiko matches, and I need to go out my way to because I am incredibly interested now because I think I've only seen one match. I'll, I'll save that for when the questions asked. Let's move on. Okay. Um. So the New Year's Stars um tour has started and. Um, the dates are the 2nd of January, 3rd of January, 4th of January, 9th of January, and 11th of January. Then there's obviously the 17th, um, 17th of January show, which is the 10th anniversary show. And then there's two dates on the 24th. Two of those dates have happened already. We're not going to cover them now, but we're going to cover some news coming out of them. Um, next week on the 10th, we're going to cover just... S- some of the matches coming out of that we're not going to review every match on every show because we simply don't have time and the vast majority of them are going to be basically being road shows road two shows to the uh, to the anniversary show however chris some matches are 17th I keep calling it the 17th anniversary show our 10th anniversary show <laughs> is um is starting to take shape so um for the future of Stardom Championship. If you don't want to hear this, by the way, uh, ladies and gentlemen, then please skip ahead maybe five, ten minutes, and then we'll get on to uh, the awards. Yep, they should have skipped by now. So the future of Stardom Championship <laughs> match is the champion Saeeda taking on Yunagi. The okay. SWA Undisputed Championship, that is going to be Suri versus Momo Watanabe. Oof. Um, the tag team, so the Goddess of Stardom tag belts, uh, it's going to be Black Widows versus Himapoi. Um, the white belt, and this is the one I really wanted to hear your um, thoughts on, is Julia versus Natsuka Tora in a no-rules match. Ooh. Okay, so this is for the anniversary. This isn't for... Budokan, this is no, for no, no, the no, no. This is on the seventeenth. Yeah, the seventeenth of yeah. January. Um. By the way, just for context, I don't use. I have a Twitter account. I don't fucking use it. So every time Rob mentions future matches, it's news to me. Um. On in terms, like, okay, let's take this match by match. Go, go backwards. <laughs> so the future of Stardom Championship is on the line with Saeeda and Yunagi. I wouldn't be surprised if that was meant for Mina, but she got injured, to be honest. No, no, that that would make sense. 
do you see a title change there or do you see Sayurida taking the belt still? Nah, I see this being a, just like a means to the end to have another um, Cosmic Angels versus Stars match on a card. And then um, it also gives Sayurida a notch for a belt. Because like, we didn't we didn't mention this before, but they're making an active effort to make these belts more defendable. Yeah. So it, I think it's just going to be a notched out of defense before, because I think the match they're looking for, maybe they'll run out of Budokan is um, Mina versus Sire. The SWA belt, Suri and Momo, and this was after they went to a 15-minute draw. I am hyped. For that fucking match. How many times has that match almost fucking happened? And then um, had to be cancelled. It's ridiculous. I'm just happy. I know we're, they've already went to a draw, but like, I'm just happy it's happening on like an actual stage for an actual title. That's going to be fucking phenomenal. Yeah. Because every time they have any sort of exchange in ring, it's insanely good. So I'm like, I'm unapologetically hyped for that one. Just like no context needed. Uh, we've then got the tag belts, the goddesses of stone tag belts, Himapoi versus Black Widows. I still refuse to say that fucking team name. <laughs> um, that should be fine. I, again, I, I called it. They should be the DDM tag sector. That should be good. I'm glad Himika's getting an actual showing. I think this is an easy Natsupoi gets pen deal. But I do think that's... I'm okay for this match when it happened for Aphrodite's last couple of defences because Utami's been tangled up so those defences have just felt meaningless. Yeah. Whereas now that it's away from the red belt champ, I think the tag belts can actually be something I can look forward to again. Because I did enjoy I really enjoyed them when it was Jungle and Konami holding them. So. And then the white belt, um, Julia versus Tora in a no-rules match. <laughs> yeah okay so first of all chains um, all of the chains first of all Velked is going to be laughing at us because he's been saying that uh, uh, Tora's going to get a title match for months now no as much as he's going to laugh if she, if he fucking, if she wins yo yeah he's been like um, for context um, one of our discord members Velked every time we Insult or Edithai, he he's like, well, gonna get a, they're gonna get a shot at some point, and and they and she is. So to be fair, this is like a prolonged one because she was meant to face um, Arisa back in March. She was meant to happen at no people gate before Arisa had to retire. So honestly, this has just been this was almost a matter of time because she kind of did have a claim to it. But, I don't know, I think, like, we sort of saw with the no TQ stipulation in um, the six-man that Oedithai can work well in that moveset. It means they can be we can use the chain for the sake of drama instead of the sake of keeping someone clean. I don't think it's going to be bad, quite frankly, because we know Tora can go and um, white belt for Julia. They have kept, the five the Cinderella tournament final rather wasn't bad and they were under time constraints there because it was the end of a one day tournament so I think without constraints they could do pretty well here and like I I don't have a natural you get away from me vibe from this match I'm cautiously optimistic. 
And then, of course, don't forget that we have Utami versus Micah at the top of that card. I mentioned being cautiously optimistic about one last week. Like, in booking terms, um, it all makes decent sense. We've had a series going on, so that continues to be fine. It's a great opportunity for Micah. I said last week this could, this could be a big breakout performance if done well. And they have decent enough chemistry for it to be done well. So I think that's a fine, I think that's a nice little anniversary card there. Considering it's basically a prelude to like their actual big anniversary card, which is a Buddha card. Considering we weren't expecting a big deal, we've got what five title matches there. That's that's decent. Yeah, that's about as loaded as last year's ninth anniversary show, which ended up being my um, show of the year. So, well, Chris, what a fucking segue. let's get into our end of year award so we put out our ballots um in the middle of december i think the 23rd december and it was right after a sack of dreams it was and we asked you to vote on um eight different categories and we had a really really good response thank you to everyone that voted we really really do appreciate it far more than we thought we were going to get so again thank you to everyone and we have our results for you now now if you want to hear what me and chris voted for then go to the previous podcast where we give our ballots um but here this is what you guys voted for so we'll start with wrestler of the year 2020 and what i'll do is i will go from third to first and then i'll go through um any others that got votes so wrestler of the year 2020 in third place was utami haishishita with 7.5 percent of the vote um second place was julia with 17.5 percent of the vote and then in a landslide with 57.5% of the votes, it was Mayu Iwatani. I mean, Chris, are you surprised at any of those? No, no, not really, especially Mayu. Mayu was always going to win this. Not only has she been great, she's been put in the position to be great. It's not like Jungle, who would do really well in that position, but she wasn't put there. Mayu is one of the best workers in the world and has been put in the position to be great with great opponents. So she was always going to be much. As soon as she was going into this year with the Red Belt, I think she was always going to be best of the year. Because she, not saying she had an off year last year, but like she wasn't the biggest thing in Stardom last year there was other people having big reigns like kagetsu and um arisa and b and um like she she wasn't the main focus whereas this year she's been like purely in the spotlight and like well deserved really great stuff like again i said it last week i think she the only real miss she had was with saki and that wasn't really a miss so yeah completely makes sense other votes went to Momo Watanabe, Starlight Kid, Tam Nakano, Himika, Suri, and Riho, which I'm sure will please Chris. Yeah, I'm sure, but I, which one of you want? We don't leave here until we find out which one of you motherfuckers did that. <laughs> so let's go on to match of. I'm, I'm on. I'm on. Death didn't get any votes. Goku and Death did not get any votes. No. What sort of bullshit is this? If you're gonna. Troll vote, at least go for death, Jesus. <laughs> Move on to match of the year 2020 then. In third place 
was Mayu Itani versus Takumi Aroha 2, uh, Electric Boogaloo, uh, with 12.5% from the Goddess of Stardom Tag League Night 4. In second place, you had Utami versus Momo from Osaka Dream Cinderella. And then in first place, you had Mayu Utani versus Takumi Aroha 1 from the way to Major League with 22.58% of the vote. Chris, opinion? Um, Yeah, that makes complete sense. Like the Aroha May matches were definitely the most talked about side of matches all year. And um, in terms of Momo versus um, Utami, I feel like recency bias might have played something in that. And like, that's just me like comparing it to my own personal list. This course is so subjective, I might just be completely wrong. I probably am just completely wrong. But like, I wouldn't be surprised if like recency bias played more in that than the actual quality of the match because I'd put them in like Jungle versus May above that. Well, other votes, we had Utami versus Orisa from the ninth anniversary show. Julia ver- My man. <laughs> Julia versus Tam, Yokohama Cinderella. Uh, Mayu versus Momo from the ninth anniversary in Tokyo. Uh, Mayu versus Hanakamura from the Cinderella tournament. Uh, Mayu versus Konami versus Momo Watanabe from Stardom New Summer Night 2, which I'm really happy got a considerable amount of votes, actually, because it really was a hidden gem, that match. Um, mm-hmm. Mayu versus Jungle from Cinderella Summer in Nagoya. Uh, Mayu Utani versus Kagetsu Year End Climax 2019. We talk about how good a year Mayu's had. Look, just listen to how many matches she's actually in in this ballot. Uh, yeah. Julia versus Himiko from the Goddess of Storm Tag League Night 6. Mayu versus Utami from Sendai Cinderella. Utami versus Suri from The Last Night of the Five Star Grand Prix. And then Julia versus Suri from Asaka Dream Cinderella. So those are. All of the votes for the match of the year 2020. Moving on to tag match then. In third place was Donna Del Mondo versus Queen's Quest from the Cinderella Summit in Nagoya. The time limit draw that got 12.5% of the votes. In second place, we had J.K. Green versus Kagetsu and Mayu Iwatani from the ninth anniversary show in Osaka. That got 15% of the vote. And then in first place with 22.5% of the vote was Team Marvelous versus Queen's Quest from the five-star special in Tokyo. Um, I think we are pretty much in agreement with that, Chris. I think both of our top threes were some manner of those three. Yeah, it was always just one thing changed around. But yeah, these were all excellent matches that I'd recommend anyone go out of the way to watch if they haven't. But you voted, so you have. <laughs> um, other votes then went to Momo and Azumi versus Yutami and Saya from Stardom is again, uh, which was a fantastic match. Again, really glad that that got votes. Um, Himiko and Micah versus Aphrodite from Yokohama Cinderella. MK Sisters versus Momo AZ from the Goddess of Stardom Tag League Night 9. Uh, Julia and Utami versus Suri and Momo from the Road to Osaka Dream Cinderella Night 2. Uh, Momo AZ from versus Aphrodite, the Corican New Landscape Show. And then Stars versus Cosmic Angels from Osaka Dream Cinderella. Those were all of the votes for our tag match of the year. Show of the year then. Uh, in third place was Chris's favourite show, ninth anniversary show in Tokyo, 22.5% of the votes. And then second was Yokohama Cinderella with 27.5% of the vote. And number one, of course, was Osaka Dream Cinderella with 30% of the vote. Again, Chris, 
I think that's exactly what we said. Um, I think yeah. in just a different order, it was always going to be some iteration of those three. Yeah, um, I would mention the day two of five star, but yeah, like stardom don't tend to mess with big shows and voted with three big shows of the year, so I'm not really surprised. Um, other votes then went to the year end climax 2019. The aforementioned five-star Grand Prix night two, uh, Sendai Cinderella despite the sleepy, sleepy crowd, uh, five-star Grand Prix night eight, which was the finals, and then the Goddess of Stardom Tag League night nine, which was also the finals. Most improved of the year, 2020. So we start in third place, and this really impressed me, Saeeda with 17.5% of the vote, who since the five-star has just come on tremendously. Um, second, Julia with 20%. So she comes in in second, both in wrestler of the year and most improved of the year. And then again, first by an absolute landslide with 42.5% of the vote was Saya Kamatani. Um, again, Chris, I think with the exception of Julia, I think both of us said Saya Kamatani is first. I think both of us said Saya Rida. I said Julia, I believe. Um, I believe Julia's improved a lot. So yeah. I, I think this is... We're, we're gelling. Viewers, we're gelling. <laughs> May and they. Um, other votes went to Yutami, Himika, Starlight Kid, Tam Nakano, Azumi, and Momo Watanabe. So, the final three categories. Uh, Feud of the Year 2020. So, in third place with 7.5% of the vote was Queen's Quest versus Donna Del Mondo. Uh, second was Julia versus Hannah Kimura with 17.5% of the vote. And then again, another absolute landslide in first place was Tam Nakano versus Julia with 52.5% of the vote. Chris? Yeah, makes sense. Fair enough. Like, but it's not like the like flagship for many ones where I was like squinting my eyes at some of them. All these are just making sense up and down the bar. They are, they are. They're all pretty much what we said as well. Other votes then went to Azumi versus Starlight Kid, uh, May versus Takumi Aroha, especially as that yielded two of the top three Podma- uh, Stardom cast matches of the year. Uh, May versus Tam, Tokyo Cyber Squad versus Oida Tai, and Stars versus Cosmic Angels. Moment of the year then, and this this did raise a few eyebrows um, from me. Well, two of them, because I only have two. Um, in third place, <laughs> Stardom are featured at Wrestle Kingdom 14. That was in third place with 15% of the votes. Uh, number two, Stardom announced Budokan Hall. That got 22.5% of the votes. And then at number one, uh, the Tokyo Cyber Squad breakup with 35% of the votes. So... Um... I, I think that is emotion like I I can see whether it is more emotional with people. I think I think in our view I've gotten more caught up in like I dislike of the current crop of a weather rather than um the breakup of a beloved stable. Mm. Yeah. No, I agree, and then obviously everything that's happened outside of that as well, I suppose, has mm-hmm. contributed to that as well. Um the way they did it, I can't honestly argue i think the way they broke tokyo samba squad up they did pretty much near perfectly yeah it's the shit afterwards that sort of because like everyone was sort of lost in the words immediately afterwards like you've said before i think that can be attributed to jungle's injury as well 
Yeah, but also you're telling me you can't do anything with Konami. Well, she's got, the ta- she's got the tag belts now, mate. Yeah, well, she's got a tag belt since she's got a title match, but it's like she keeps getting lost between big events. Like she never builds up to a big event. She just has one thrust upon her. Well, she did finish off um, the year-end climax by saying 2021 will be the year of Oida Tai, and in her first match of 2021, she got pinned by Natsupoi. So, you know, there is that, I suppose. Um, you, could, you know what? I think she just needs to put in the Konami code. She'll be fine. <laughs> um, final one then, Faction of the Year 2020. And I know that me and you agree on this. So in third place, Tokyo Cyber Squad with 12.5% of the votes. Second place, Queen's Quest, 32.5% of the votes. And then in first place, we had Donna Del Mondo with a whopping 50% of the votes. And I know that both Damn. of us said that. I didn't expect it to take half a fucking ballot, though. Our fucking government doesn't have that amount of fucking support. <laughs> but yeah, I, I completely agree. Donna Del Mondo have been, they've been booked incredibly. Between them, they have put on some absolutely tremendous matches. They are one of the most cohesive factions. Um, and they've just been damn enjoyable to watch. It does help when you've got four single stars. And I say single stars. I know Mike is not quite there yet. I know Himmick is not quite there yet, but they are going to be there. And, you know, they've both had championship shots, or they will have done uh, by the 10th anniversary show. So you've got four singles stars in that faction. Yeah. And Natsupoy. Leave Natsupoy alone. I'm joking. She's only been in the faction for a couple of months, so of course she's not going to be in the same level. But yeah, those are the results of our first ever Stardom Cast Awards. Thank you to everybody that took the time to vote. Uh, next year, uh, we'll have a slightly different format uh, because fuck Survey Monkey. Um, <laughs> but we'll obviously let you know um, about that closer towards you, the time. Do you want to cut your pipe bomb? Or? No, 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 it's fine. I'm, uh, I'm over it. Let's move on. Um, so just before we sign off, Chris, uh, we had a couple of questions in the Discord. Now, Valkage did ask us, have you had a chance to watch some current uh, Yoshiko or Nene? If yes, what potential matchups are you looking for? I haven't had a chance to watch any, but I'm going to make it my mission to watch some this week. So we will, I will answer this question at least uh, next week. Chris, are you the same? Um, yeah, well, for me, I'm not going to watch some classic ones because I've never seen... Um, I've never seen any name. I can't say her name about last. Uh, so I've avoided it on podcast because I just think of like the whip and Nene thing <laughs> a couple years ago. Like, poor girl. Anyway, um, but Yashika, the only one I've seen, well, for some reason I've seen the shoot incident. I can't remember the context in which I watched it. I think someone just sent me a link. Mm. Um, it, like, I watched it when, like, not long after it happened because it like blew up in some places. And then um, I seen her match with Io Shirai when she won the title. So that's about all the scenes from Yoshiko. So I do need to see see more of these two before they start getting more stardom matches. I'm not sure I'm going to get to it this week just because there's so much wrestling going on in Japan this week <laughs> that I'm interested, like I'm actively interested in, like just between all Japan, Noah, and New Japan alone, and sort of wrestling out. But like, yeah, before they. They're big matches in stardom. I'm going to bend a bunch. Uh, Pipo? Pipo. 
Pip, please tell us how to announce, pronounce that, please, in the Discord. Pip. I'm going to call you Pip. <laughs> yeah, Pip. Um, they asked, is 2021 the year of Himika? Um, for me, no. Um, I think 2022, I think there could be big things for Himika. Um, they've done well this year establishing her as, you know, a singles, for lack of a better phrase, monster. But I think at the moment you've got a lot of people vying for that red belt. I'm not saying that she won't get a red belt shot. I just, I don't see her winning it this year. I think you've got the coronation of Julia, which is going to happen, whether you like Julia or not, it is going to happen. Um, And I think we will see that this year. Um, I think there's going to be pushes to other people. Um, Cosmic Angels are going to be pushed. I imagine we're going to see um, people from that stable. Obviously, that stable is going to grow. It's not going to just remain the three people. I think they're going to be pushed. I think there's going to be more of a push for people like Starlight Kid, uh, potentially like an Azumi, Saikamatani. I just don't think next year there is room for Himika to be up there taking belts. I think she'll have title shots. I don't think she'll win anything. Chris, do you disagree? I see Himika as sort of like a Farley figure, where the threat's always going to be there, but like it's very rarely going to translate to any title shots, at least for now. Because um, she had a great five star, but she's sort of done nothing since. So if it's gonna ha- if she's gonna even get a shot, I don't think it's going to be until a couple months down the line. Because hmm. we sort of had her in the main event and hit like in main event matches hit and miss um like we i think we have different views on the julia match but i wasn't a massive fan so i think she has a bit of work to go i think um how good like how surprisingly good her five star run has been has sort of made people forget how she doesn't have a ton of experience does she she's i think she's still tech yeah in ring experience three years so like she's still technically in contention for that for the future belt and don't forget, she's 23 years old. She has got a lot of time ahead of her. That's my age. She she has like a steady job. I'm struggling to get a job in fucking Aldi. <laughs> um, and Niagara Driver has asked a question which sort of tags on to the end of that. So they put, who do you think will be the breakout star of 2021? Last three years, it's been the Cinderella winner and white belt champs, Julia, Arissa, Momo, for example. Um, but there are a lot of candidates ready to make that jump. Um, I agree. I completely agree. Um, It's going to be interesting who they strap the rocket to come Cinderella tournament this year. Um, Because last year, I think both me and you predicted it would be Julia to win it. This year, there's quite a few... Yeah, yeah, there's quite a few people it could be this year. Um... If I had to put you on the spot, Chris, at the moment, who would you put as the winner of the Cinderella tournament? Hear me out, Taichi. No. Um, Shiri, I think, would be a good pick. Um, same with Micah, if you're going to use those turn Because Micah sort of, does sort of excel in shorter matches, so the five-star would be a good... Not five, the um, Cinderella would be a good spot for her. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's beyond the realms of possibility for Tall Sire 
just sort out the, the limb selling and you're fine. Um, I, I, honestly, with how well they pushed him in the five star, I wouldn't be surprised if they had Himika win the Cinderella and just not have it translate to a title. Um, yeah, everyone's right, but there's so many candidates. It's They've slowed down rookies coming in, but there's still a bunch of people they brought in that could just be on the precipice because, you know, they're just raiding Tokyo Joshi, apparently. <laughs> but, um, so who knows? Yuki Sakisaki might be in by this time next year, <laughs> fighting for the red belt. If I had to pick, I'll, what I'll do is I'll give my thoughts on the Cinderella and then I'm just going to say three names of people who I think will have, you know, in inverted commas, breakout years in 2021. So, I think there's a couple of candidates for the Cinderella. I don't think they're going to go Donna Del Mondo two years in a row. Um, so, if they do, I think it'll be Micah. Um, but don't forget, Micah has just had a title opportunity or will have just had a title opportunity at... Um, at the 10th anniversary. So I don't know whether they'll do that that close. Could it be someone like a Tam Nakano? New faction. Well, she does have her own stable. So. Exactly. New faction. It would give her a legitimate claim to a title opportunity, which, let's be honest, when was the last time she challenged for the red belt? Huh. I don't know. I'm going to check. And while Chris does that, I mean... Yes, she is, you know, one of the older heads on the roster, but it gives you another person who is fantastic in the ring, great at telling stories, up in the upper echelon of that card. I don't think she'll win the red belt, but I think it could be the birth of her in that main event scene. Um, I think someone like an Azumi. Azumi would be great. Um... You know, she's proved, especially in the five-star, that she can have those fantastic matches that aren't just the high-speed style. And yes, I do think she needs that impact finisher and not just rely on the arm bars. But I think that given that position, she could have a tremendous match. Um, Starlight Kid, I've already said, will have a breakout year this year. And... Do I think Saya Kamatani will have a breakout year this year? Um, yeah, sure. Why not? Um, <laughs> but... Imagine if that's how sad and... <laughs> yeah, yeah fuck it. why not? Why the fuck not? Why the fuck not? Um, I'm not seeing Tam having any red belt runs going through this, and I'm in 2017. So, well, not runs, I mean, like, opportunities. I'm going to go Tam. Mm. I'm going to go Tam to hey, that- Cinderella. Ty Valkyrie got one. Casey Owens got one. How the fuck did Casey... You, you probably don't know. She's a ICW wrestler. I, I didn't even know she worked for Stardom. That's cool. Then again, says Viper, says Kylie Ray. ICW represent. Yeah. Yes. Sorry, continue. So go on then, Chris. Who I think Tam and then my breakout people are going to be... I do think Julia. I think Julia will get the red belt this year. So put her there. Julia, Starlight Kid... And let's go. Let's go, Micah. Those are my three. So, what about for, you? For like true, for like true breakouts in terms of like from next enough into stratosphere, I'm gonna go with Tosaya. 
like they're very clearly high on it. I think they're going to be one of those people they're going to push whether people like it or not. Okay. Um. Then also, Micah, well, she's getting a red belt thing. So, like, depending on how that goes, I think Micah could do that. She certainly has, like, a decent enough presence, so I can see that happening. And then, if they allow um, Gaijin's back into... I hate... Why do they say Gaijin? Because I hate people say Gaijin's. I hate myself now. If they let um, foreign workers back into Japan, I really do think Jamie Hayter could have a really good year. Hmm. Interesting. I didn't even thought about Jamie. Um... Because we were talking about how, and also it depends who else they bring in. Because there's a bunch, there's going to be a bunch of um, great talent around the world looking for bookings in about six months if the vaccine takes hold. But um, um, but with Hater, we were talking about how um, with B- the Bushi Road purchase starting to set in a bit more. They're looking more at how people look, and Jamie Hater's. Um, like, ha- have you seen any of her rep pro matches? No, she's gotten she's gotten really buff. Like, I know she was buff before, but she, like, she's gotten like Cyrida kind of buff. So they're going to like that, and also she's a big bruiser, and they. I I have a feeling Russell Bushi Road will like in a foreign talent. Um, like especially a foreign heel. And she was good before she left. I'm very curious to see what happens when she can mix it up with um, talent that are a bit above her, like May, like Tam. So if she can get back in the country, I honestly think Jamie Hayter could have a good year if given the opportunity to have a good year. Because she was even good in the five-star, wasn't she? Wasn't she? Who did she face in the five- Not the five-star, the um, Cinderella. I keep getting them mixed up, and I don't know why. Yutami, um, I think. No, it wasn't. Yeah, no, because Yutami faced um, Micah. So, hang on, Cinderella. It doesn't matter. But, like, she was decent that she had decent matches for the SWA belt early in the year. She was doing really well in the tag division with B. Like, I really enjoyed her matches in the tag division. So, yeah, I. Honestly, do think she could have a really good year if given the chance? Because we also like randomly put the belt on foreign talents, and we haven't gotten to do that in a while. So, fair enough then. So there you are, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you've enjoyed it. Thank you so much for all those people that voted for our end of year awards. Thank you so much to everyone that has contributed to the podcast and has helped December to be our most downloaded month. So thank you again. Um, Please subscribe, continue to subscribe, share the word about the podcast, uh, put us a five-star review or a comment. It really does help. You can get the podcast wherever you go out and get your podcasts. You can check out the website, www.podmania.co.uk. Um, you can find the podcast on Twitter at, at the Stardomcast. Um, Chris, where can they find you on Twitter? Nowhere. <laughs> <sighs> Um, <laughs> I don't use Twitter. I don't fucking use Twitter. Didn't you, you ask if you could live you tweet Wrestle Kingdom? Every, we, we have possibly two podcasts a week, sometimes only one, but everyone, you ask me what my Twitter is, and I never have a fucking answer because I don't use Twitter. You Stop always asking. have an answer because you're a sarky cunt. Right, just watch my YouTube video. It hit 100 views. That's kind of cool. What more people should watch it, though. It's very bad. 
They can talk to me at at Real Rob Goodwin. Hope you enjoy Wrestle Kingdom. We shall be back on the 10th of January, so please join us then. Thank you so much for listening, guys, and we shall talk to you guys again soon. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager, only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.